Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to our next instalment of the Revelation Growth Group podcast. A couple of things before we begin Men's Meet and Meet is on this Saturday night, and it is at church, and there will be uh, Simon speaking uh, about how we care for and look after youth. And so I really think everybody should be there, and we're even trying to get a bunch of youth to be there as well. So if you see young people, uh, if you're going along and you see young people there, just make sure you say g'day. Do your best to do that. Please also remember on the 11th of November, we have a prayer meeting at 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock, and that those prayer meetings are regional, so there will be one near you. Uh, Keep praying for our Christmas preparations. Uh, because those things are happening right now and this is such a time when people who don't usually come to church come along to church and check things out. Also this Sunday night we have, that is the 5th of November, we have a conversation night looking at 6pm at Lakewood looking at the issue of uh, the Middle East. We're going to give that a go, try to think through what's going on there. Now, the other thing to say is this week is Defence Force Sunday and Tim Baxter will be preaching across the morning services. And so uh, he's going to be speaking on Revelation 1, but with a Defence Force Sunday sort of vibe. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be interesting to see how it goes. So I thought we would look at Revelation chapter 1 because that's what Tim... Oh, sorry, distracted there. That's what Tim is going to be looking at. So uh, let's think through Revelation chapter 1. First and foremost, it's important to understand that Revelation is embedded in the Old Testament expectations. So Revelation is the story and explanation of the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. So it's necessary to understand it in its context. If we don't understand it in its context, we begin to come up with all sorts of weird and wonderful things that relate to our present day and don't see the fulfillment there. So that's what we need to keep in mind. The uh, verse one says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So uh, what we need to see is that Right up the front, this book is about Jesus Christ. It's both from him and it is about him. And it's uh, concerning to showing the servants what must soon take place. But later on in chapter 1, verse 19, we'll hear what is now and what will be. There is the sense that there is whatever this book teaches about Jesus, it's applicable to them there and then. And it's applicable all throughout history. It's not only applicable to some particular part in history, like our our time. It has always been applicable because it's about Jesus Christ. It's immediately relevant to the readers, wherever they are, not just 2,000 years ago or in the future. And verse 3 will say that whoever reads this aloud is actually going to be blessed. Now, most people who read Revelation are confused, but this Revelation itself says they will be blessed if they see that first and foremost about Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of him, revelation of the implications of the resurrection and Jesus' lordship on our daily life and our church. So it's designed for public reading. It's not mysterious, but it is to prepare for faithfulness and its application 
is present and clear. Uh, it's not for speculation. Verses 4 and 5 is the introduction. And there you find verse 5, Jesus is described as the faithful witness. One, the firstborn from the dead. Two, the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's given three big names there. Uh, faithful witness is faithful martyr. Firstborn from the dead is his resurrection that others will follow in. And the ruler means he's in charge of the kings of the earth. The kings of the earth are those who threaten us, who threaten Christians, who threaten believers uh, with their um, with their own perspectives and things like that. And in the first century, the threats were with a sword. Today, the threats are quite different to that, but still are threats. To him who loves us, in verse eight, uh, 7, and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. So verse 7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Now, often that verse, verse 7 of chapter 1, is seen as something that will happen in the future, coming from the clouds, every eye seeing him, those who pierced him, etc. But it's first and foremost a implication of the ascension. And the coming in the clouds is actually going in the clouds. That's actually the idea. He's coming to the clouds, which is Daniel chapter 7 idea. So in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says to the high priest, uh, he will see the Son of Man coming with the clouds. And that happens uh, in the resurrection and the ascension. So it's He's not just king in the future, but he's king now. The ascension means he's ruling right now. And Jesus' present rule has clear application for every single believer, whether they are threatened with death or just threatened with temptation. And this is what Revelation is about, understanding Jesus' resurrection and his lordship and knowing how that goes. The, the words here, then all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Now, they might mourn in the sense of repentance. Blessed are those who mourn. For there, um, There's that mourning in repentance. But also we find in Revelation and Zechariah chapter 12, for example, a mourning of judgment, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. There is that grief at becoming realizing that we've not seen Jesus to be who he is. Verse 8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And that who is and who was and who is to come is a, really a Trinitarian introduction. The Alpha and the Omega, there's, all, there's each of the persons of the Trinity are represented in these, first, in these few verses. And the who is and who was and is to come is really an unpacking of the name Yahweh, who is the I am, I am who I am, that sort of thing. He always will be. And Isaiah talks about him as being, as the Father, as being first and last. So uh, that's verse 8 there. Verse 9 introduces the part that Tim will be focusing on on Sunday. Uh, and um, uh, John here is a companion. He's not just an onlooker, but he's a companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. So you can only patiently endure if you know Jesus is king. If you do not see that Jesus is Lord, you'll give up and you won't be patient and you won't endure. Uh, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, and this parallels back to verse 2 as well. 
Verse 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. The Lord's day, when was that? Was it Sunday? Well, I don't know, but probably was Sunday. And uh, But it's thinking of the resurrection day. It's the Lord's day. It is the present day in that sense. It is He, he, he is the, uh, I suppose it's John's way of saying Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Uh, he's saying in the AD period, in the adventure of Jesus' resurrection, I was in the spirit which I don't think necessarily means a trance, although it could mean a trance. I think rather it means in the spirit of understanding the Old Testament, that is seeing the Old Testament fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is to understand the word of the spirit. And the word here, the voice says to him to write to the seven churches. Verse 12, he hears this voice and then turns to see who was speaking to him and he sees something different. And this will happen in Revelation a lot. They'll hear a voice. They'll hear um, the line of Judah, for example. They'll turn and they'll see a lamb slain. And so we're meant to see that there is a an apocalypse here, an unveiling of what's really going on behind the scenes. And what John sees is Jesus walking in verse 12, uh, one walking among seven golden lampstands. And we're told that the lampstands are the churches. But if you look at the Old Testament, again, remember, we're looking at the Old Testament to understand what these things are. Exodus 25, Numbers 30, uh, Exodus 25, Exodus 37, Numbers 8, talk about the lampstand in the temple that lit that, um, that holy place. Zechariah chapter 4 talks about the seven branches of the lampstand and it was really representing the temple and so we see here that the the lampstands representing the church the seven golden lampstands are the churches is reminding us of this seven branched light in the midst of the temple that represented the temple and that the church is the new temple in Christ Zechariah 4 verse 6 will say, not by might or by power, says the Lord, but by my spirit, which means that the church is to draw its power from the spirit. And the way that it draws its power from the spirit is, yes, by prayer, but it is prayer couched in the word of God. And that is where the light comes from. And that's where we hear the Holy Spirit speaking. We see that among, in verse 13, among the seven golden lampstands is one like a son of man. And this is taken from Daniel chapter 7. And this is Daniel sees one like a son of man. And the way that he's dressed and what follows is much from Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 10. So the robe reaching down to his feet, the golden sash around his chest is a very priestly picture, but it also could be a kingly picture. And so we have priests and kings in the Old Testament in wearing that sort of garb. The hair of his head is white like wool, as white as snow. Again, Daniel chapter 7. This is the Ancient of Days, who is the first and last. And this is how Jesus is being described. His eyes were like blazing fire. These eyes of judgment. So Daniel chapter 10 and verses 5 and 6 will talk about that. His feet were like blonde, bronze, bronze growing in a furnace, or glowing in a furnace. 
and this is the purity of him. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Now, we can't go through every Old Testament reference because there's just they're piled on each other. But if you were to maybe look in the study notes, you might find an Old Testament reference of your Bibles, uh, an Old Testament reference to some of these things. In his hand, right hand, he held seven stars. And we find out later that seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches, which could be the seven ministers of the seven churches. So he's holding them in his hand and out of his mouth is a sharp double-edged sword. And that is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4, and Isaiah 49 and verse 2. And so the picture here that we've got to get is that if you were to draw a picture of what you read, you would miss the picture. Because what you read is not a description of what he saw. What you are reading is a piling up of Old Testament ideas which find its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So if you were to draw the picture, you'd miss the picture. To not draw the picture and to think about the Old Testament is to get the picture. His face shining like the sun in all its brilliance could actually be referring to him as the true light, but also the true bridegroom, because the Old Testament talks about the sun coming on its way out as a bridegroom coming before before the um, before the, the bride. Uh, verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and last. I'm the living one. And I was dead and I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. So really the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus has tremendous application to how the church is going to live its life today. He has to be our focus. He has to be our centrality. He is our hope. He is the only one who holds the keys of death and Hades. He is the one who will rescue us from the second death. All of those sorts of things. There is confidence found in him. Verse 19, write, therefore, what you've seen, what is now and what will take place. Now, remember that we talked about that earlier on in the um, in the chapter, right at the beginning, what must soon take place in chapter 1 and verse 1. Well, chapter 1, verse 19 is really picking that up. It's saying here there is application for what is now. And there is application for what will take place later. And this application stems and grows out of the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. So the mystery of the seven stars in his right hand is the seven golden lampstands and the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. I want to see that where is Jesus? He is amongst the churches. He is growing the churches and he will grow the churches by his word to the churches. And as they listen, they'll be hearing the Spirit's voice to the churches. So we need to be people who listen carefully to the word of God. And by doing so, we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and we get to be grown as the people of God. So how important are growth groups? How important is church on Sunday? How important is hearing God's word preached publicly and reading it together? Let me encourage you, chapter one, Revelation. Hopefully it'll bring you uh, and your group again to life and realize what is really going on here behind the scenes, which is what we need to know. Uh, well, there you go. And I hope this week goes well. And I'll see you next. I'll hear from you next week. Or you'll hear from me anyway, uh, when we look at the next church. See you later.